Welcome to Just Hair Me Out, a podcast about love, life, and hair. I'm Barbara. I've spent over 38,000 hours coloring hair. Hi, I'm Demetra, and I've spent over 1,000 weeks with scissors in my hands. With 50 clients a week in our chairs and 22 years on our feet, doing hair is not our hobby, it's our hustle. We've navigated salon politics and then opened salon suites of our own in 2020. We choose dogs over kids, skinny marks over beer, and we've only fired three clients. Each. Each. Hey, girl, hey. Hey. (laughs) Welcome back, everyone. Today, we want to talk about how we come up with the cost we charge as hairdressers. So this is a big topic. I think a lot of hairdressers are wanting um, or asking us to create an episode to help people understand where we come up with the numbers. Yes. And just like everything else, why it keeps going up. Yes, yes, of course. And we will also talk about differentiating between um, working for someone and having your own salon suite, because that's also a little different of how your pricing is and how it's calculated. Right. Yes. And I wanted to point out just to anyone, you know, possibly if you're a hair colorist and you're thinking about doing a salon suite, we're going to give a really good lowdown of uh, how the finances work within a salon suite. But I wanted to point out that as a hair colorist who does not cut, um, that I make about the same as what I would working for somebody else if it's like 50% commission. Um, that's just the numbers work out the same because when you have an assistant, like at a salon, you can work, um, you can take pretty much double the amount of clients because as a colorist, you're only scheduled with a person during the time you apply the color. And then any processing time and shampooing and styling is uh, done by somebody else. So does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I I was going to ask you a question, but I know I'll get us a little off topic. So maybe just so we can do a, um, uh, a circle back maybe towards the end of the episode probably talk about if it's worth it then yeah and you're in your case okay we'll we'll touch base on that towards the end of the episode though i'd like to you know stay focused today i know what you're thinking and i'm ready to answer that okay mm-hmm. so um i would say let's let's first talk about um this could be controversial but i wanted to come up with a number that was easy to do some math around. And when you look online, I was actually trying to find out what in the United States is considered like middle class. Uh, Again, another episode, but you know, there's more of a divide between upper and middle. Mm -hmm. And uh, anyway, Um, yeah. But because the cost, I mean, I want to say inflation has been like 5% and 7% for a couple years now. Total of 9%. I just did the numbers yesterday. Oh, you did. You did. Total of 9%. So it's huge. huge. It's huge. So yeah. that's why the cost of everything, including all of our supplies, costs so much more. And um, so here's the thing. When I first heard this, I thought, wow, that can't be right. Um, 100 grand, making 100 grand, so just clearing six figures, is now middle class for most of America. And it yeah. does depend on where you live, and I don't want to, you know, make anyone uncomfortable with what they might be making. But it's true that, like, with cost of living, 
if you are definitely if you're in a city uh, mm-hmm. that would be a solid middle class middle of the road kind of salary is that so, um, and i think it depends on like if you're in chicago versus like a mediocre suburb that can be lower middle class if you're like someone like me that lives in the actual city of chicago <laughs> i would say 100 grand <laughs> lower middle class opposed to like living out in the boonies 100 grand can yeah. be yeah. I mean, honestly, because it is different too. It is. It is. I just say I, I'm bringing that up because I mean, who's to know? Like, what is the exact number of that? I have no idea. But um, I want to say, if you're a, a really great at your craft and this is your career, I think it's kind of messed up to say that's too much for a hairdresser to be making. This is my point of all this. Yeah, I've been seeing a lot of clips actually um, on social media, clearly, but on so many different um, other platforms regarding this. I guess a lot of people are saying how hairdressers are starting to make too much money, but reality is um, this is a luxury, people, too. It's a luxury service. It's not a need. So you need to choose wisely how and who you're going to. Instead of putting people down to say, um, you know, what they're making is too much and why are you charging that? And again, when we go through the breakdown, you guys see how much we have to spend just to get the business running. You're probably wondering why we're not charging more. (laughs) I agree. I agree. I understand that like to some people, the numbers might seem kind of big, but I'm always like, wow, I think I'm, I'm pretty reasonable in my pricing. I need to raise my prices. I haven't raised them yet. And uh, after talking with my accountant from last year to this year, and like I said, figuring the numbers out yesterday because I was doing quarterly taxes, we're at a 9% increase. I have not raised my prices by 9%. I actually haven't raised my prices um, only a few services since last year. So it's time. Be prepared, people. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just saying. Well, well, and we want... Um, all sorts of people to be listening to this, you know, anywhere, say, wherever you are in the world. Uh, when it comes to a professional hairstylist, uh, makeup artist, um, nail tech, all these people, there is a reason for the breakdown. And it's not to be richer than you. Right? Does that sound rude? No, it's not, it's okay. not rude at all. Okay. So also, game. When I'm looking at the numbers, and I I have done this probably 50 times in the last like several years, but if you want to make a hundred grand, anybody, you need well okay, you really need to gross 200 to make take home 100, right? Mm-hmm. And there's um, income tax and self employment tax. So really about 35% of that top number is going to taxes. And then another 15 is really your expenses because of, you know, whether it's hair color or the tools you have to have to do your job in your case and things like that. Um, really, you're right down to half. So if you need to make to gross uh, $200,000 in a year, Um, I like to break that down further, but real quick, I like to point out the way I remember what gross means is because it's disgusting what you have to make. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. And your net income is 
what is left in the net of things after everything falls out. Right, exactly. It's whatever's being caught in that net. Yes. So, for we those like... of you who get confused between gross and net, I love that, Barbara. That's a good analogy. Thank you. Um, mm -hmm. Okay, so real quick, I don't want to be too boring here, but so 200K to gross. So if you're going to work 50 weeks a year, so that's two weeks off, whether you take two weeks off, whether you take one week off, or you just happen to take off five days here and there. So I'm taking it by 50 weeks a year, you need to bring in 16,666 per month. Ooh. And then <clears throat> if you take it down to the week, it's 4,000, roughly it could be a little, a little, just a little over 4,000 a month. Or I'm sorry, a week. A week. Four thousand a week, and so depending on, uh, I think that's a very, very good number, by the way. Like to figure out your income. Mm -hmm. So for bringing in four thousand per week, and depending on how many days you work. So I work four days a week, so I need to be making a thousand dollars a day at work, mm -hmm. or bringing in. Wow. And so yeah. people have to adjust that accordingly if they work like three days or two days or or maybe work five days and and each of those days um, doesn't Depends have to Depends how many hours you're doing. Like me, I do three days, but my days are 10 to 12 hours. Exactly. And don't forget, people, that's behind the actual chair earning that money. When you have a salon suite, you are still working when you are not behind the chair. Right. Putting orders in you know, getting back to clients, we're talking just behind the chair, the money that's actually coming in. Where most Correct. jobs you're getting paid um, when you're not behind your chair and you're doing orders or whatever that may be, we don't get paid for any of that time. And I don't know about you, mine's at least a couple hours a week between getting back to clients, putting orders in, checking inventory, looking at numbers. It's an extra five, you know, Four to yeah. five hours. That's four or five hundred dollars. Let's say if someone gets a hundred dollars an hour, um, that you are not actually bringing in at all. So you got to use your time wisely. Well, another thing I was going to say is when it comes to accounting, like you can either add on a couple hours to your week to do your accounting, or you can be paying somebody to do your accounting for you. But you kind of have to equate for that too, whether you want to put in the labor hours versus the. Um, the actual funds to pay a professional to do it for you. Mm -hmm. Also, I wanted to say hair color has gone up in cost quite a bit. Um, I would say more than 9% actually. But um, I'm going to say it's closer to 12. Yeah. 12%. Yeah. Um, also, if you're having a service done that requires extensions, say you're getting extensions, Part of the reason that costs so much is because, you know, as a hairdresser, we need to figure out how much we need to bring in per hour to get to that 1000 per day or 4000 per week, however we get to that. So if you are getting extensions and you have obviously, well, human hair is really the only way to go. And I double checked. It's between 300 and $1,000 for the extensions. And so on top of that is how are the price of however many hours that person has to work putting them in and that's, styling them to jive you know, with your hair. Right. That's why extensions are, you know, that service is so expensive as well. It's not necessarily what this person is charging. The hair itself is very expensive. 
yeah. to get real hair. Yeah. So that one's a, a big one. And it is, that is a big mm-hmm. luxury. Yeah. That's definitely a luxury service. Yeah. So if you're getting hair extensions, people, you need to be good to your hair extensionist person. <laughs> yes. It's not her fault. I mean, that's a lot of tedious, a lot of, a lot of work to do extensions. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Also, I just wanted to, to bring up, I have really looked around. I don't know about other cities. I haven't looked in other cities, but certainly in and around Chicago, um, it is very common for a suite rental to be uh, like three, three fifty a week. So that really adds up too. Oh, so, yeah. so, you know, that puts the pressure on if you're an independent to, you know, it's... Um, insult to injury kind of paying a rent if you're not going to be able to be there that week oh yeah because you still have to pay it no matter what so let's say you know just for your your rent you're paying 14 to 1500 a week that doesn't include shampoo conditioner styling products 14 1500 a month i mean yeah yeah 14 to 1500 a month right let's say kind of like an our area right chicago chicago land area it's not just your rent you have insurance, you have shampoo, you have conditioner, you have styling product, you have your tools, you have your insurances, you have your classes, you have, so by the time you're done, you probably are spending coffee, water, snacks. I mean, I could, the list goes on and on. Every single penny is coming out of your pocket just to service that person. So let's just say you're spending 2500 okay? Um, and I charge 125 for a haircut. Well, guess what? I have to, before I can even make a dollar, I'm having to do at least 30 clients before I even make a dollar. That's a lot of people to do. That's one week, one week of work without getting basically paid to cover those costs just to even stay in business. Yeah. I mean, that's an easy breakdown that I just did right there. That was like a real quick one. Yeah. So these... These also bring into into light how, as a, somebody who's not a hairstylist, how you might understand that when you have one person cancel per day, the level of anxiety and or frustration that your hairstylist might be expressing to you. Because it's not about we don't appreciate you, but if someone is getting really upset and not hiding it, <laughs> it's because that of this situation. Like it's the financial part of it is stressful. Right, right. And and it's not their fault. Look, things happen. We have to cancel. But that's why I think the, the policies come into place here. You know, 24-hour notice. Hey, if you don't know, X amount of hours notice. You know, most of the time when we're busy, we can fill it. If we can fill it, fine. But if you're calling last minute or within the last 20 minutes, hey, I can't make it. Yeah, we get upset. You knew 20 minutes before that you're not going to be able to make it. I'm sorry. You know, just have some consideration. Yeah. That's all. Well, and a lot of us have these cancellation policies, you know, put in place to uh, protect our finances and our situation. And I will say 100%, like, if I can actually fill the spot, I wouldn't charge somebody. Right. Me too. Absolutely. I mean, we're not, so, we're not that evil. No. <laughs> I mean, no. you know, we compromise too. You know, we try. If you're a good business person, you're, you know. Yeah. Got to do what you got to do, I guess. Yeah. Well, they actually, there's a term for it. They call it emotional discounting. If you're Mm -hmm. like charging people less or uh, waiving no shows or 
or last minute cancellations just because you love them. And I, I love know, all. And we do. I do. I love all my people. I love them all. But at some point, it's like I, I believe they, they love us in return, or they want to be coming to us, whether it be for you know what we're giving them, um, through our art and craft, or you know that emotional connection, friendship. Yeah. Right. But because we love you, but we're also looking at the bottom line, and I need to gross four grand, and that's not right. changing. Right. Yes. Anyhow, okay. I, I would say, though, kind of circling back to your question earlier, is it worth it for a colorist? Mm -hmm. I would say it is because I went to different salons hoping for benefits. Mm -hmm. And um, and listen, I don't want to trash anybody I used to work for. It's cool people. But, you know, uh, also when things change, just like in America, our, our health system, you know, I've worked at two different places that were offering insurance or having an insurance plan that you can just pay your part into. And just one year it just changes and they don't have it anymore. Oh yeah. And it's okay. That's legal to do. They don't have yeah. to offer you anything. And I understand it from their point, but also, I mean, it's just frustrating. Like, um, anyway, so some of the downsides of working for somebody else I would put up with, in order to try to get some of those benefits. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, when you don't even get the benefits, you just kind of want the freedom. And um, so for me, it's worth it to have the freedom of answering only to myself. Right. And no salon politics, because there is a lot of that. Yeah. And, so, you know, everybody has their strengths and weaknesses. And it's, um, I sound a little bit evil saying this, but... Uh, it can be stressful to me depending on other people because sometimes they just let you down, you know? Right, right. So you have more control um, and less stress. Like I don't want to have to, you know, beg for time off when the bottom line is I'm going to be off no matter what. Right. But I don't want to like defy somebody to do it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. It's that confrontation. I don't like it. Me neither. All right. Well, I think we've covered everything we wanted to talk about with this topic. But please, anybody who's interested, go to our YouTube and message us. Let us know any other details of the financial part of things that you want to know. Yeah, because we're curious, too. You know, different states, different areas. I, I'm curious, too, like where it's at, you know, and how are other hairstylists feeling about the impact? impact of the inflation and how, you know, how it's affected their business. And if they have questions, they want us to kind of air and try to get feedback from other people. You know, that would be nice, too. Yeah, absolutely. And it's also why uh, if you go and live in New York City, it's going to cost $500 to do anything to your hair, because those people have to live in New York City that are doing mm -hmm. your hair. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us. And we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe or follow. And please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Lastly, follow us on social media for clips of past and future episodes. All our accounts are listed in the show notes below. Thanks so much for listening. 